If you know you serve a great God, give him a great praise here today. him in this house hallelujah come on the presence of the Lord is already in this place let's respond to his love by loving Jesus back with our worship hallelujah Lord we give you praise today we give you worship come on there's a wonderful atmosphere in this house hallelujah there's a wonderful touch of Jesus that is moving throughout this building Hallelujah, let's worship him. If you've got a need in your life, I want you to lift up your hands as we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord here today in Jesus' wonderful name. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I want to say how wonderful it is to be in the house, Lord, here this afternoon. Praise God. We had a great time on Friday of games and ice cream and, and loaded hot dogs and all that. And, uh, you know, what happens when you when you go to a place that, that gives you big old tubs of ice cream is you don't want it to go to waste. And let me just let me just put a plug out there for the chocolate ice cream. That's the real winner. But you don't want to miss that after church. It's going to be a great time. And uh, just come spend a little bit of a moment or two just fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And uh, it's going to be a great time in Jesus' name. Uh, before we dismiss our Sunday school, uh, we would like uh, to ask the church to pray. Uh, tomorrow, my wife and I and brother and sister Claiborne are going to be going to Costa Rica. And uh, we are going to minister and preach to the church over there, the headquarters church that my wife's uncle actually pastors. Um, and we're going to pray that God would open up the hearts. They're going to fill up. We're going to do multiple services and we need God to touch. Uh, but I also want to commend the church here because of your faithfulness of giving to the missions department, which is just something that people put on their envelopes of their own accord. Uh, we are actually able to take over some musical equipment that they uh, can't get over there. And so they, they've literally, their, their last mic broke, and we're able to take those over to them and uh, be a blessing to the church. So I want to commend the church here for that. Amen, for, for buying those, that equipment in Jesus' name. Uh, but we like prayer that God would bless the travel and uh, that God would open hearts over there. Would you lift up your hands as we pray for that? Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, God. Lord, we believe that you are wanting to change the known world, God. You're wanting to change regions and countries and people. God, and we're praying, Lord, that you would touch, that you would bless, God. The prayers of this people, of this house, God, would be a blessing there, God, that we... We might change the world in one service, God. There might be a missionary that's saved in that service, God, in those services, God. We're praying, Lord, that you bless with safe travel, God. Hallelujah. Anoint us as we go. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' name. Everybody clap your hands, oh Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. Please 
Pray for us this next week in Jesus' name. This time we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classes. Everybody say, God bless the Sunday school. Amen. It's good to have Brother Russ and Sister Michelle Martinez. Newlyweds, married. Good to have them back from their honeymoon in Jesus' name. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Acts chapter 12. And verse number 1, Acts chapter 12 and verse number 1. Now typically I like to read one or two verses and then let you be seated. But I've learned in recent years just the lack of biblical understanding in our world. Not so much in the church, but in our world, um, it's important to take time and read the scriptures as well. Um, and so I want to take my time and I want to read this with you in your hearing today. And then I'm going to preach to us what I feel like God's laid on my heart for this service. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. I think we've all been in that place. Feels like it's just me, just you, right? Certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when they had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quatrinones, which I'll get into that in a little bit. That's ultimately uh, four soldiers, but he got four of them, so that's 16. Amen. 16 soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through the street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate. 
I think that's interesting. When she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. Rhoda, you're crazy. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And they said, It is his angel or his ghost. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them, with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. The Bible says Peter knocked at the door and Rhoda knew his voice. And when she came and told the rest of the church that was praying, they said, thou art mad. They said, you are crazy. You're crazy to believe what we've been praying for. And I want to preach, or, preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Crazy faith. Crazy faith. Would you set down your Bibles? Would you lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. I believe that God is going to do something in this house. I believe that there is a concept that God wants to impart to us, amen, a revelation, if you will, a way of life. God, I pray that you would help me to minister this with grace, God, hallelujah, with wisdom, and God, open up our hearts and our minds that we might receive the word of God, amen, that it would forever change, amen, our lives and our walk with you. Come on, somebody pray in this house. Hallelujah, let your faith rise in this place. Hallelujah, let your anticipation of what God is going to do in your life, let it rise up in this house. Hallelujah, we give you praise and glory, Jesus. Somebody clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. It's also good to have uh, Sister Jen Gideon's mother with us. Amen. All the way from the Midwest. It's good to have her in the house of the Lord. Amen. Crazy faith. The Bible tells us that the church was suffering a brutal persecution. In fact, the church has always suffered a brutal persecution. It is one thing that Jesus promised. There's one thing that you can count on. He said, they hated me and they will hate you. And although our desire as a people and as a church is not to be hated, I think that's never something we should seek for, it is in fact a reality that when you stand for what is right and you stand for what is true, you're not going to please everybody. There are going to be people that don't want the truth. Amen. Uh, in this modern society and generation, they are currently saying phrases like, my truth. But I just want to let you know, there is no such thing as your truth. There is only something called the truth. Now, your truth might say gravity doesn't exist, but there is the truth that if you jump off of a roof, you're going to hit the ground. Amen, because it's the truth. And in this society, you might say it's my truth that I, I've decided that I'm one of 10 billion genders. But the truth lets you know there's only two genders, male and female. 
Hallelujah. But when you start talking like that and presenting to people, amen, that there is, in fact, only one way to be saved. There's not many ways to heaven. Uh, people get riled up. They don't like that because this world wants to believe their truth that if I'm, quote, unquote, a good person, that I will be saved. And uh, how many's heard that before? I've heard that. Well, if I'm a good person, but they fail to define good according to the Bible. And, uh, and when you tell them that there's only one way to be saved, and it's through Jesus Christ, there's a whole world out there that rises up uh, because they feel condemned. But the truth is, we're not trying to condemn you. We're trying to convict you. Amen. We're not trying to send you to hell. In fact, we're trying to get you up out of hell. We're trying to save you. Man, but there's people that don't perceive truth the same way as you and I. I perceive truth as being a blessing. I perceive repentance as being from the goodness of the Lord, as the Scriptures declare. But there's a world out there that doesn't view it that way. And when the church started gaining momentum, there were those like Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul, that persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And in our text today, you find a man by the name of Herod that decided, for whatever reason, that he was going to jump on the bandwagon of persecuting the church. Amen. And he took, amen, James, and he, he brought him out, and the Bible says that he killed him. Amen. He killed the brother of John. And, and, and that would have been one thing. That was horrendous. But the Bible declares that when he saw that there were other people that were appreciating his persecution of the church, he was more emboldened to continue to do it. Church, I want to let you know what kind of society and world we're living in. That when there is, amen, societal pressures, amen, against the kingdom of God and against the church, amen, we've got to be ready because there's coming a day where it's going to become popular opinion. Some people think, well, that was just in the past, but we've learned something from history and that, that's, that history repeats itself. Amen. And when it becomes popular opinion to be against the kingdom of God and against the church, uh, there's going to be many like Herod that rise up and they're going to say, well, I didn't realize that would get me a couple extra votes. I didn't realize that that would elevate me in this political society. But the Bible says that Herod started persecuting the church even more and when he saw that it pleased the Jews the persecution of the church when he saw that the religious enjoyed amen the destruction of those that propagated the truth uh, amen the Bible says he took Peter also let me just tell you about your adversary the devil Amen. In the current, amen, culture and climate that we're living in, the devil is never satisfied just to have one piece of your life. When he sees that it's now public and popular opinion, amen, to, to mess with the people of God and mess with the church of God, I want you to know that they're not going to stop and be satisfied. Uh, can I just preach it to this modern society? Amen. And, and I thank God we live in America, but America is quickly turning, amen, to be just like Herod, uh, that when they realize they could persecute the church in one area, they're not going to be satisfied in that one area. You better believe it. They're going to come after other areas. And so the Bible says they took Peter and they put him in the inner prison. 
They took this, these 16 soldiers to keep him. Amen. It was four soldiers per quadrine, and there were two of which had to be bound to the prisoner. Amen. They were to keep watch outside the door, and they were to keep watch of the prisoner. And so he had 16 soldiers that were guarding him. I want you to just realize who they were guarding. They were guarding a preacher. They were guarding a Christian. Now, it's one thing to put somebody uh, who's a murderer, who's done something uh, severely wrong, or who would be considered dangerous to the public, uh, to have them under lock and key and guarded, and maybe even have some accompanying prison guards. But the Bible lets us know that they saw him as such a threat, amen, being a preacher of the gospel, amen, that they locked him to several soldiers, uh, and they put him not just on the outside of the prison, uh, but they put him, uh, amen, behind two different wards of the prison and behind a, an iron gate. Uh, can I just remind you here today, uh, Amen. That lets me know something about Peter. They were concerned that Peter was going to make an escape, that Peter was going to make a prison break. Amen. And I want to tell you here today that the devil is concerned that when he comes into your life, he's got to send extra guards and extra soldiers because he does not think that he can hold you back. I came to preach. There's so many people that they hold themselves back, but there's an adversary uh, that is lining up the guards uh, just to hold back one person uh, that believes in God. Uh, can I preach to you here today, uh, amen, and build up your faith uh, in what God is able to do uh, in your life uh, and through your life, uh, amen. If you're facing opposition uh, and it seems a little extreme, uh, you've got to understand why. It's because the adversary is concerned that it's not enough to hold you back and it's not enough to hold you down. So he's trying to double up. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. many people face opposition in their life uh, that comes from the enemy, comes from the devil, and they wonder why it's so extreme against them. I want to remind you uh, that you have uh, more power through the Holy Ghost uh, than anything in this world possesses. It's why the Bible would declare that greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. That's why there's so much external pressure because it's trying to crush the internal pressure. But you got more pushing, uh, amen, from the inside out uh, than the pressures you feel from the outside in. Hallelujah. Peter was there, and he's in prison. I want to help us understand how Peter felt at that moment because we've all been there a time or two. Uh, he was not just in prison. He was tied to two other soldiers. He was guarded by 14 other soldiers. And he was not just inside the prison. He was behind an iron gate. And he was behind two different wards. We've got, amen, Elder Johnson, you worked at the prison. Uh, he was in solitary confinement, if you will. He was in the inner prison. Uh, they locked him up. Uh, there was no way of escape. Uh, there was no way out. Uh, there was no hope. Anybody ever felt like that? Uh, that you're going through so much uh, that there's no way. The Bible says they kept 
him in prison. I want to tell you, he was being kept. Amen. There's some folks that the chains that are around you are strictly intended to keep you where you are. The opposition you face when you're trying to be something and do something for God is to try to keep you where you are. Because if you ever get out of where you are, there's no telling what you can do. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Zero hope, zero chance, uh, but God. But God, I want to just remind you that when there is no hope, uh, when there is no chance, you still got a chance and you still got hope. Because the Bible declares uh, that when they kept him, uh, they bound him up. Uh, they held him in the inner prison, tied him with chains. Uh, amen. Metal chains to bind him to two other guards. Uh, the Bible says, but prayer uh, was made uh, of the church unto God uh, for Peter that was in prison. There can be hope in the most hopeless situations when you got a church that's praying for you, when you got people that are praying for you, when you. Let me preach it to somebody here today about the power of prayer. You can be addicted, but you got a church today that's been praying for you. You can be on the brink of a divorce, but there's a church that's been praying for you. You can be about to go bankrupt, but there's a church that's been praying for you. You can have a diagnosis, but the church has been praying for you. I'm not talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about the local church right here has been praying for God to pull people off the streets and off of bar stools and out of hospitals and God pull them out of every area of this region and God save them. Amen. They might feel like it's hopeless, like there's no chance, but when the church starts praying, God starts working. When the church makes it up in their mind, we're going to make prayer. It doesn't matter how kept my family is by the devil. I'm going to make prayer. It doesn't matter how how much my health's been held back by the adversary praying in the church. I'm going to pray and believe God. Oh, somebody clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, somebody give God praise this afternoon. Prayer changes things. Let me just say that again. Prayer changes things. Where there is no hope, when you pray, there's now hope. Hallelujah. Hope in its easiest definition is the simple belief that things can change. You know what it is like to be hopeless? Nothing's going to get better. Nothing can change. There's no way I can get healthier. Hallelujah. But when you pray, it invokes, amen, faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And when you pray, all of a sudden hope starts to brew. And where there was no hope, where there was no belief that things could change or get better, when you pray, something starts to change on the inside of you. There's a mentality shift that where you did not see hope, now you see hope. And there's now evidence that things can get better. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise this afternoon. 
And when the church prayed, uh, the Bible says that Herod uh, at that very night was coming to take Peter. Uh, amen. Take him from being held back and held down and chained up. And he was going to kill him. Uh, amen. But the Bible says because the church was praying, uh, because there were people that were praying, uh, the angel of the Lord showed up. Uh, and the Bible says uh, that the light uh, shined in the prison. Some folks wonder why they are where they are. Let me just remind you, you might just be there so a light from heaven can shine in the hell you're going through. Let me preach to you about what happens when people pray. The light can shine in darkness even if the darkness doesn't comprehend it. That even in your darkest moment, the light can shine. Even in the inner prison where there is no hope, in a midnight hour, the light can shine. When people pray, there might have been no hope. There might not have been a light at the end of the tunnel. But when you pray, the Lord can shine his light right where you are. Oh, somebody give him praise. Come on, let's love him for a moment. Come on, let's love him for a moment. There's some folks uh, that you've been in the darkness. Uh, you've been in the darkness, uh, but God's about to shine his light on you. Uh, you've been going through the darkest, uh, amen, darkness of depression, but God's about to shine his light on you. Uh, you've been going through the darkness of sickness, uh, but God's about to shine his light on you. Uh, you've been going through the darkness uh, called financial struggle, but God's about to shine his light, uh, and hope's about to shine. Oh, somebody love him. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's worship the Lord. Come on, let's pray for a moment. Light can shine in the inner prison. Come on. In the midst of what you're facing, light can shine right where you are. Hope can shine right where you are. Peace can shine right where you are. Joy can shine right where you are. The Bible says the angel of the Lord showed up. Because people were praying. See, we often see our side of praying, which is we hit our knees. But we don't often get to see the other side of God working it out. And the Bible in this text is giving us the other side of the coin. It's showing us how God went about answering the prayer. And that when the church was praying without ceasing, the angel of the Lord came, light shined in the prison, and the angel came by and kicked him. Get up. And of course, Peter's always got a problem with sleeping. He was sleeping when Jesus was praying in the garden. He was sleeping on a rooftop when he was called to the Gentiles. And here he is sleeping in prison. Amen. Ain't nothing like having a good sleep life. Hallelujah. But there's times where God has to come by and kick somebody to wake them up. Because often it's a lot easier to medicate when you're in darkness. Hallelujah. Do you notice how Peter wasn't praying in this moment? See, we like to talk about Paul and Silas praying and singing praise, but there's some people that have been in the Peter situation. They'd rather sleep it off. Medicate their way through it and say, man, I don't know if this is going to work out. They already killed my, my buddy James. I might as well just accept my fate. Amen. But I want to tell you, even when you've accepted your fate, there's people that have not accepted your fate. Because as a church, we don't even believe in the concepts of fate. Amen. Because we believe there's a God that's got a plan for your life. We believe there's a God that's got, come on, there's destiny in you. And destiny comes from your choices. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise. 
Peter's not even praying. He's sleeping. He's, he's just, well, whatever. And Angie comes by and kicks him and says, get up. The Bible says he smote him. Man, sometimes God has to punch us to wake us up. Get up. And he comes out of the, in a daze. The Bible says he had to pick him up. Anybody ever been in a dark situation where you feel like God had to kick you and pick you up? God, don't get me up out of this. I ain't getting up out of this. So God finally realizes that's the only way it's going to work. So he kicks you and he picks you up. And all of a sudden, Peter stumbles to the front. And as he stands up, the Bible says the chain just fell off. What if Peter would have made the decision to stand up uh, before the angel Lord showed up? It could, I know that sounds crazy, but it could just be that God honored his faith uh, and the chains would have fell off in that very moment. But even if you don't have faith for it, there's a church praying for you that's got faith for you. That believes God for you. Uh, that believes God can, even if you don't believe God can. That believes God will, even if you don't believe God will. Uh, amen. I believe in my heart uh, with everything within me. Uh, my God is still a healer, uh, even if you don't believe it. Uh, I believe that God's a deliverer, uh, even if you don't believe it. Uh, I've got enough faith for the both of us. Peter gets up, the chains fall off. Amen. But what's powerful is the chains fell off of Peter. It didn't fall off the guards holding him. Amen. The things that were holding him back got held back. The things that were holding him down got held down. The things that were locking him up got locked up. Can I preach to you? Amen. That when you have people praying for you, when you come into an atmosphere of faith like a church like this, amen, the chains that were binding you bind what bound you and the things that held you down get held down and the Bible says captivity itself is led captive it's not just the drug that gets taken care of it's the addiction itself it's not just the fornication amen it's the idea of lust that gets taken care of God takes care of the very root Peter is there he thinks he's in a dream. He's dazed. The angel has to tell him, grab your stuff. Come on, let's go. He thinks he's in a dream. He's in the inner prison. And they start going. And, and here it is. The angel starts leading him. Amen. Sometimes God has to lead people by the hand to get them out. Amen. And that's why you got to let God lead you. Amen. It might not make sense in the moment. It might seem a little scary. But you let God lead you. He'll lead you to the right place. He'll lead you to the right house. He'll lead you to freedom. Hallelujah. The Bible says they had to go past two different wards and they had to go to an iron gate all while avoiding different guards. Amen. There was people that were waiting on the outside of the prison and, the, and, and, and here we see a biblical prison break. Amen. Hallelujah. The gate, the Bible says, even opened of its own accord. It personified. Amen. It said his own accord. And the Bible lets us know that the prison opened itself they didn't have to even touch the chains and they fell off didn't have to touch the door and the gate but everything opened up can I preach that when people pray even the prison wants Peter free that when people pray the chains that bind you don't want to bind you anymore the gates that hold you don't want to hold you anymore that when there's people praying and you come in an atmosphere like this 
there's enough crazy faith uh, that you'll get free uh, because it wants to let you free. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise here tonight. Sometimes we stay bound because we choose to. But if we were to get up from where we are and start walking with God, amen, the things that we feel have held us back would go away. Amen. It's the old adage of the elephant at the circus. When it's a baby elephant, they lock it with a really heavy chain and they take a spike and they nail it into the ground, make it walk in circles. And then they get it to where he gets a little bigger and, 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 and every time he pulls against that chain, nothing happens. And then they, they, they get it to a lighter weight chain and eventually it's nothing more than a string. And then eventually that elephant just walks around in circles. That's how the devil's got some people bound up. Amen. Because he bound you up and you yanked against it one time and nothing happened. And so you assumed that nothing could ever happen. But the light from God is shining into your prison and shining into your life. That if you would walk with God, the chains that bind you will fall off. Amen. And the gates that have held you back, amen, are going to open of their own accord. Oh, let's pray all across the building. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. You came in the right atmosphere here today. Hallelujah, there's some faith that is brewing in this place. Hallelujah, God's going to do great things this afternoon. He recognized at that moment that God was delivering him from Herod and from the expectation of the people. I just got to say this. I know that it's a little bit out of context because it is talking about the expectation of him being stayed in prison. But there is still something there that there was, amen, an expectation that Peter would never get out. And God had to deliver him from the expectation that the people had that Peter was never getting out. And sometimes we need God to deliver us from the expectations of other people. Hallelujah. Let me preach it from where I've lived. There are some people, amen, maybe even closely connected to you that have, that have, that have sent you to the prison that you're in in your mind and they expect you to die there. Hallelujah. There are people that see what you've been through and they expect you to fail. They expect you to die. They expect you to quit. They expect you to not make it. But when God shows up, he knows how to deliver you up out of prison, but he also knows how to deliver you from the expectations of other people. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. There's some folks that have looked at your life and said, there's no way they're ever going to make it. But you ought to just look at them and say, here I am by the grace of God. The devil had expectations that because your mother was an alcoholic, you'd be an alcoholic. But God, but God, but God, and you ought to let hell know I'm delivered from that expectation. There is nothing holding me back because God set me free. Oh, somebody, I clap their hands and give God praise. And this deliverance happened because people were praying. Because the atmosphere was set. 
And the Bible says that Peter showed up uh, to John Mark's house where everybody was praying. They were praying for Peter. I want you to see this. They were praying for Peter. They had the mechanics down. They were praying, the Bible says, without ceasing. Amen. And, and when he shows up to the gate, unlike the prison gate, this gate didn't open of its own accord. They were in there praying, and the chains in the prison fell off. They were in there praying, and the gates opened of their own accord. But when Peter is standing at their gate, when the thing they prayed for is right there at their gate, when the thing they've been needing an answer about is right there at their gate, he's standing at the gate and he's knocking on the door and it doesn't open of its own accord. What am I preaching? It tells us something about prayer. God will do the miracle if we pray, but we've got to be willing on the the flip side to open the door to the miracle we've got to be willing to accept the miracle that God has already ordained somebody ought to give him praise this is why the Bible says that you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost hallelujah because God has already poured out his spirit, but it comes down to you and your decision to receive the Holy Ghost. You can't work for the Holy Ghost. You can't buy the Holy Ghost. You can't learn the Holy Ghost. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost. What is reception of the Holy Ghost? It's when you open the door. It's when you open the gate. It's when you lift your hands and you open your mouth and God fills you. So many people, God's already ordained uh, to fill them. He said, I, I don't want, it's not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, but people keep their doors uh, locked and they keep their gates locked. Uh, amen. They pray for it, pray for it, pray for it. And God shows up as I preached last week uh, with the willingness to do it. Uh, but they've got so many locks and deadbolts uh, on, their, on their own heart uh, to receive what God has already ordained. Uh, amen. And it's knocking at the door. Uh, it's saying, come on, let me in. God's already answered your prayers. If you only knew the half of the miracles that God just did to even get me to the door, you'd open up as quick as possible. And there's people in this house. God is knocking on your door. Your answer is in this building. And it's knocking. But it's your job to open up the door. It's banging on the door saying, come on. What you've been praying for is here. Your healing is here. Your deliverance is here here. Your salvation is here. I'm knocking on the door. You got to open it up. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Let's stand across the building. Lift up our hands. Come on, somebody pray in this house. Come on, opening the door takes crazy faith. Open the door takes crazy faith. To believe what you prayed for is crazy faith. Hallelujah. To believe what you prayed for is at the door is crazy faith. He's knocking at the door. And he's saying, it's me, Peter. Hey, let me in. And a young lady by the name of Rhoda shows up to the door, as many of us have done many times. 
And the miracle is screaming, I'm here. Revival's at the door and it's screaming, I'm here. Miracles are screaming, I'm here. Healing is screaming, I'm here. And too often we found ourselves in this position. We get excited. It's here. Everything we prayed for is here. And the Bible says she heard his voice. She knew it was Peter. But she was too excited that the answer had arrived. That she didn't open the door to receive the answer. Come on somebody. The Bible talks about a seed that was planted, but it fell upon the rocky soil. It sprung roots. It sprung up real quick out of excitement. you got to be careful because excitement is not the apex of the Christian existence. Hallelujah. Let me just say that again. Excitement is not the apex of your Christian existence. Excitement. I'm thankful for moments where we get excited at church. I get excited too. It's a human emotion. But excitement is not the apex of it all. Amen. Answering what God has sent is the apex of it all. Amen. Opening the door and receiving what God has for us is greater than getting excited about what's in front of us we've all done this as well if you were to be honest you've done it and so have I she goes from the gate and from the door and she's excited and she goes and she says John Mark your brother Mark so it works John Mark Jesus is here and Peter's here Peter's here we've been praying for Peter without ceasing and you're like, let me keep praying. Okay, okay. Let me tell you, brother Christian, who's a Christian, uh, Peter's here. We need to have another prayer meeting. Brother Jonathan, Peter's here. The answer has arrived. Everything we desire has arrived. And she's spending her time and her energy trying to convince everybody else that the answer has arrived. Hallelujah. Trying to convince everybody else that Peter is, in fact, at the door. But can I help you with what kills most people's faith? The Bible says they said. Anybody ever had a they said moment? Come on. You, you, God shows up and says, I'm delivering you today. But they said you were an alcoholic. In fact, a couple times a week, you show up to a group where you admit it you're an alcoholic. Hallelujah. Let me tell you about the one-step program. It's called the altar. The one-step program where you lift up your hands and receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the chains fall off. God said, I blessed you. But they said, you broke. God gave you a business idea, but they said it ain't going to work. Come on. That's too many people let the they said. Before you open the door, you go and get a public opinion of what everybody else thinks. I'll preach it right where some folks are living. You get a public opinion. You take a poll on Facebook to find out what everybody else thinks before you believe what God has just done. 
It's not my season. That's what they said. It's not my time. That's what they said. I don't have enough. That's what they said. I'm not talented at it. That's what they said. I'm not gifted. I'm not talking about lying to yourself and not being self-aware. I'm talking about God showed up in a mighty way and let you know it's at the door, but you listen to what everybody else said. But I love Rhoda. She's a hero of the faith because she continued to tell them. Can I just talk to the church for a moment? We need to keep that atmosphere in the church. The one that just keeps telling people. The atmosphere that just keeps believing what God has said. I want to be a preacher like Rhoda. I want to keep telling ARC what God is doing and what God has said he'll do. I want to keep reminding people in spite of what they might say. I want to remind you that God is already making it possible and God is already providing the miracle. They said, Rhoda, you're mad. You're crazy. How dare you believe for what we've been praying for? Let me just tell you what we've been praying for as a church. Miracles, signs, wonders. People being delivered. People being healed. Cancer being just evaporated. Come on, somebody. The building filling up. God providing another facility. Can I just talk about what we've been praying for and what we're believing for? Amen. I want to just help you and remind you, amen, that God is still, in fact, able to do it. And you might call me crazy, but go ahead. I've got the crazy faith to believe. It's at the door, and we're standing at the precipice of everything God's promised. We are one revival away from God filling up a stadium with Holy Ghost filled. Baptize in Jesus name people. They said thou art mad. That's the 21st century way of gaslighting. Now you're just crazy. You, you got to be careful who you, tell, who you tell your dreams to. Some people think I'd be crazy if I told them some things I believe. Not scriptural or doctrinal I'm talking about. Well, some folks probably think that too, but hey, I've got faith to believe that what God has promised is in fact at the door. Not it's coming, not one day. Jesus stood up in the, sin, in the synagogue and he said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And when he said the word today, as if to say it's at the door, it's right here, it's right now, they thought to stone him. But she constantly affirmed that it was so. In spite of what anybody else thinks, keep believing what you're praying for. Don't let what they said, whoever they are, stop you from believing what God has told you. Rhoda believed what she was praying for and they said she's crazy. Peter was still at the door even though they called her insane. Even though they said she might have something wrong with her mind. Amen. Often what we need to do is open the door and accept what God is doing and accept what is happening. Amen. There's a moment, I talked about it last night in prayer, where we need to declare to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. 
there comes a moment where we got to start declaring it. We got to speak it and continue to affirm until you're healed. We got to continue to speak it and confirm it until you're blessed. We got to continue to speak it and affirm it until you're delivered. We've got to get the bold, crazy, insane faith that commands sickness to leave, that commands devils to be cast out, that demands, come on somebody, I'm talking about the real biblical faith that says it doesn't matter what everybody else says. I'll be crazy enough to believe that God has done it. At the end of it all, they say this. Okay, Rhoda. I'm done right here. Maybe you had a spiritual moment. Anybody ever had somebody like that? They just, they just put the brakes on. Maybe you had a spiritual moment. But it must be his angel. It must be his ghost. They were praying for Peter to be delivered from prison, but to them, he was already dead. But Rhoda had crazy faith. Rhoda kept affirming, no, I know what I heard in prayer. I know what God spoke to me. I know what God is doing. I know what I heard at the door of my life. I know that God has already answered my prayers. I know that healing is on the other side of this door. Amen. And if I just open the door, and the Bible says that, that, that they open up the door. Amen. Because Peter kept knocking. In spite of what everybody says, the answer continued to knock. In spite of the lack of faith that some people had, the answer continued to knock. Amen. And I want to tell you here today that what you've been praying for is at the door and even if you try to ignore it it's going to continue to knock ARC miracles are at the door and even if we try to ignore it it's going to continue to knock revivals at the door and even if we try to ignore it it's going to continue to knock so we might as well open up the door lift up your hands I'm done preaching come on we got to shift gears from asking, amen, from knocking uh, to opening up the door to what is knocking, uh, from asking to receiving uh, to seeking. Uh, we got to switch to finding. Uh, from Come on, uh, we've got to move and switch gears. Uh, God, I know what you're promising. I know what you're saying, and it sounds crazy, but I've been praying for it, and is it so crazy to see prayers answered? Somebody pray in this house. It's at the door. It's at the door. You've been praying for it. Don't get in the rut of praying for it where you can't open up the door. Don't get in the rut, uh, amen, of, 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 of semi-spirituality, of continuing to pray for it when it's right there at the door and all you got to do is receive it and open up the door. Claim it. Claim it. Claim it. There's people here today that you've allowed your faith to be hindered by the lack of faith of other people. I want you to lift up your hands and let's pray. Today, God is going to impart some faith to you. 
Amen. I believe the gift of faith is going to be in operation in this house today. I believe the gift of faith, which is a supernatural impartation of faith that you did not have when you walked in the building. I believe that faith is going to enter this building. Amen. I want to tell you it's right at the door. You've been praying, amen, for healing. It's right at the door. And I believe that if you can open up that door, healing is coming in. I know that there's some folks been praying for deliverance, but if you would open up the door today and step from praying faith to active crazy faith where you believe what you've been praying for, that gift of faith where you didn't have faith before, but you have faith right now to say, God, I'm opening up the door. You will see it today. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? I want you to come, amen, and bring the things that you've been, been, you've been praying about, that you know God has spoken to you, that he's going to do it, that he wants to do it in your life. I want you to bring that to him right now, and I want you to open up the door and go from asking to receiving. It might be that you need the Holy Ghost, that you have not received the Holy Ghost, but I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I'm opening up my heart. I'm opening up my mouth. God, fill me with your spirit. I receive it. Come on, maybe you're in need of a blessing, a miracle. You need God to move and you need God to act. I believe there's testimonies that are coming from this open door. I believe there's deliverances that are coming from this open door. If you need healing in your body, it does not matter if we have prayed for you for 30 years. I want you to come to the front and lift up your hands, and we're going to believe God. We're going to activate our faith in Jesus' name. Maybe you don't have faith for yourself, but we have faith for you today. You walked in the right atmosphere. This is not a bunch of people that they said. This is people like Rhoda that believe. Somebody open the door. Open the door of your mind. Open the door of your heart. Shift gears in the spirit. I receive it. I receive it.
Take authority like Rhoda. It's at the door. It's at the door. It's at the door. It's at the door. What you need is there.
There's a breakthrough in this house right now. Come on, we had to fight through spirits and we had to fight through devils to get to this breakthrough. But it's here. People have got their hands on the doorknob. Turn it and open it. Receive what God's doing. Receive what God's imparting. Receive miracles. Receive healing. Receive it. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, break through in the Holy Ghost. Break through in the Holy Ghost. Come on, if it happened for Peter and Rhoda, it can happen for you and I. 